Well, as you know, today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and we are reminded once again through the Advent reading, through the video, and then through the lighting of the Christ candle, how much that God loves us. Emmanuel, God with us. As Jill wrote, uh, read from John's Gospel, his, you know, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. God's motive for sending His, love, uh, for sending his Son was that of love. So in the next few minutes, I'm going to talk about tis the season for love. I don't know about you, but I love the Christmas season. I love seeing friends and family. I love the smells, the sights, the sounds, the songs. Uh, For me, as many of you know, Christmas begins when I officially listen to our Statler Brothers CD, Christmas Wishes, which I have to admit I listened to one week before Thanksgiving. I know you shouldn't do that, but okay. And I've listened to it probably a dozen times since then. And when Jill and I are listening to it together in the car, uh, we, we sing along. We have it memorized. It's been, been you know, with us for that many years. And what I love about Christmas is for an entire month, we get to hear about Jesus in moments that at any other time of the year, we wouldn't. For example, when you're shopping in a store, you'll hear the Christmas music being played, be it Joy of the World or What Child Is This? We've heard Silent Night. I was uh, mentioning last Wednesday night, there's like 3,700 renditions of just Silent Night now, a lot of different ways to play it. I listened to 99.9 Christmas music around the clock for a long time, or you know, from after Thanksgiving until Christmas Day, and this past week I even heard, of all people, Jimi Hendrix uh, playing Little Drummer Boy in Silent Night, kind of a different mix there, but I love hearing the songs, I love hearing the songs in the public places, I love the idea that those that don't know Christ are hearing about Him, and hopefully their hearts would be more open to Him. Now, I know that Christmas also has a secular side to it. And there's jingle bells and there's chestnuts roasting in the open fire or a white Christmas or whatever. And they don't specifically mention the, the, the nativity story. But here's the deal. All that part as well is part of the Christmas season. And I remind us all this morning, it is not the season for people. It's his season. And it's a season about him. And hopefully, once again, uh, their hearts will be open to receiving God's gift of love in the person of Jesus Christ. A God whose kindness leads us to repentance. A God whose motive for sending us his son Jesus Christ was that of love. Now, if I were to ask you, what part of the Christmas story or Bible story do you you like the best when it comes to Christmas? Is it about Mary? Is it about Joseph? Is it about the angels or the wise men or whatever it might be? You all have your own favorite verses, your own favorite passages, and that's all wonderful. Uh, For me, my favorite verse is what we just heard, John 3.16. And it's really, these words were spoken like like 30 years after the first Christmas, and they were spoken by Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But verse 17, we often miss that one. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so really, what am, I, what am I saying this morning is this, is that Christmas is really an expression of God's love. God didn't have to create the world, but he did. 
God, after creating us, could have left us to our own devices, but he didn't. He sent us Jesus Christ into the world to show us who God is and to teach us the truth and to save us. Why? So you and I could experience the wonderful gift of eternal life so that we could be with him forever and ever and ever. That's what God wants the most. It's the simplest reason why Jesus came into the world. Why did he come? Because God loves humanity. God loves you and God loves me. And when I say God loves us, it's not in just a formal academic sense. God loves us with the kind of love that you feel. God loves us emotionally. As I read this verse last Sunday, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. And this last part says, He will joy over thee with singing. The Bible tells us that the Christmas story demonstrates a God who rejoices over us. A God who takes delight in you and in me. A God who even sings about us. I mean, imagine God, Almighty God, singing about you or singing about me. Even when the angels announced the birth of Christ to the shepherd boys on Christmas night, what'd they say? And suddenly there was an, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Then it says this, good will toward men. Did you catch that last part? Good will toward men. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God that Jesus Christ came to reveal. So I say it this morning, tis the season for love because Christmas shows us God truly loves us. God's arms are open wide and saying the world, world, I love you. And when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, it was proof once again uh, as God expresses his love toward you and to me. Secondly, Christmas is not only an expression of God's love. Christmas is an expression of God's generosity. For God so loved that he gave. That he gave. What did God give? He gave us his only begotten son. Because that's who you and I needed. Think about it. When the angels announced the birth of Jesus, they said this in Luke 2.11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. God gave us a Savior because we needed to be saved. Very basic, very simple. You see, sin has separated all of us from God. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, For all, like, for all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. And then Romans 3, 23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You see, there is only one thing that will keep you or I out of heaven, and that is our sin. And the only sin that God can't and won't forgive is the sin we don't repent of. So all have sinned. And the truth is, we don't need the Bible to tell us about sin and the damage it's done. We can just look at the news today and see the effects of sin on a society. We can look down at our own lives, the lives of those that are close to us, and see the effects of sin on a personal level. We are a people bent toward sin. Because of that, we need a Savior. In other words, as you've heard me say week after week, we are simply sinners in need of a Savior. That's why when the angel told Joseph that a son 
would be born to Mary, he said in Matthew 1.21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's why on a silent and holy night, so long ago, in a little town of Bethlehem, our Savior was born. A Savior because we needed to be saved. In the first sermon that Jesus preached, this is what he said about why he came into the world. In Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel, the good news, to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You see, we are a people bent toward captivity. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ came to set us free, free from ourselves and free from our sins. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He came to fill your life with victory because He is not only our Savior, He is the anointed liberator. He is called Christ and Lord as well as Savior. The angels were saying, you know something? This little child will grow up to be more than just a man, more than a prophet, more than a teacher. This little child is truly worthy of our worship. That's why the Bible says about the Magi, when they, were, when they were come into the house and they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, they fell down and worshipped him. That and that alone is the only response that we need to give back to God because that's what God's after in our lives. See, when the angel told Mary that she would give birth to a son, the angel also said, and he will be great and will be called the son of the highest and of his kingdom there will be no end. See, God gave us more than just a man to follow. God gave himself. God gave himself, Jesus Christ, who is the very essence of God, a perfect representation of God. Friends, there are two things you can always count on. Number one, Jesus is Lord and will always be. Of his kingdom there shall be no end. And number two, Jesus is with you and he will always be. For the word says, he will never leave us nor forsake us. So in Christ, we see a God whose arms are open wide. Christmas is truly an expression of God's giving nature. He has given us exactly what we need. A Savior, the Christ, the Lord. This leads to the final thing I want you to see this morning is, is, is this. Number three, Christmas is an expression of God's mercy. An expression of God's mercy. Regardless of what you might have heard from critics of Christianity and regardless of what you might have heard from a few uh, misinformed fanatics, God is not out to get you. He's not a billy club image kind of a God. One wrong move, whack, you're dead. You know, whack them all, you're out of here. You know, God doesn't want to judge you or condemn you or punish you. Now, we know John 3.16, we see the placards at baseball games and football games and sporting events. We see the placards at NASCAR events and, you know, John 3.16, whatever. But don't forget John 3.17, for God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. See, God sent his son so we could all have a second chance. And if you need a second, second chance, God's saying, hey, my grace and mercy is sufficient for you. 
the textbook definition of mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown toward someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Now, God could punish, God could condemn each and every one of us. After all, that's what we deserve. We deserve that because we are sinners in need of a Savior. But instead, God has chosen to offer us life in His Son, Jesus Christ. And I can guarantee you, based on God's word this morning, everyone that reaches out to him, everyone who calls on his name, everyone who repents of their sin, everyone can experience this new life in Jesus Christ, this miraculous mercy. Paul said this, The wages of sin are death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, we don't deserve it, and honestly, we can't earn it by our so-called good works, but we can and should receive it by faith. You see, Christmas reminds us that God's mercy is extended to all who receive it. As King David wrote in Psalm 103, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Let me wind this up this morning with one of my favorite stories. It's been told many times in many ways. And it's even been sung. It just might be a story based on truth. It's about a man who had, a, had made a mess of his life. He committed a crime, and because of that, he was sent to prison to do time, to pay the price for his, his, his crime. Finally, the day for his release had arrived, and he wanted more than anything to go back home. But he was very ashamed. He had betrayed those closest to him, he had disgraced and embarrassed his family, and he really wasn't sure if his family or if the town would take him back. He sent a letter home saying this, I want to come home, but I don't want to embarrass you further, and I don't want to cause a scene. I'll pass through town on the bus. And, and you know that old oak tree that sits in the town square near the station? Well, if I'm welcome home, just put a little ribbon on one of the branches. If I see it there, then I'll know that it's okay to come home. No ribbon, and I'll just stay on the bus and move on with my life. No doubt you've heard the story or you heard the song, and you know what happens next. The bus pulls into town. The man who had made a mess of his life looked out the window to see what his future would be, if there would even be a ribbon tied to one of the branches. And there was not one ribbon tied to that tree, but hundreds and hundreds of ribbons. Each branch was covered with ribbons so this man would know. You know something? As a town, as a family, our arms are open wide. All is forgiven. You can come home now. Church, that is the Christmas story. This is why Christmas is the best thing ever. Christmas tells us that God has covered every branch with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ribbons to let you know His mercy is still good, His forgiveness is still strong, and His love will endure forever and ever and ever. Tis the season for love. God loves, God gives, God forgives. That's why Christmas is the best thing ever. And if we really understood how much God loves us, if we understood how tender He is toward us, and how patient, and how kind, and how caring, and how ready to forgive and bless us, we would not be able to contain ourselves. Matter of fact, you would be shouting and praising Him until you had no voice left. See, Christ has come. And 
In his second advent, he's coming again, and he loves you. And the good news today and every day, he's never stopped loving you. Matter of fact, you can't do anything to get God to stop loving you. At the heart of Christmas, at the heart of the incarnation, lies God's love. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And with the little girl on the video this morning, again, I say, wow. Wow. If you've never received the real gift of Christmas, God's gift of love, then you don't have the assurance of where you'll spend eternity. Then this morning, I would ask you to acknowledge today that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. The only thing, as I said, that will keep you out of heaven is your sin. And God wants to forgive you of your sin. You also must trust Christ and Christ alone for your salvation. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. There is no other name, Jesus said, under heaven by which men must be saved. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, Jesus Christ did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Yes, we all deserve the judgment, the justice of God. But the good news is Jesus willingly suffered the judgment and the death that we deserve because the one who knew no sin on that cross became sin for us as all the sin of the world was placed on him. Your sin and my sin. The wages of sin is death, but the good news is the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we acknowledge we're sinners in need of a Savior. We believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we confess our sin. This is called biblically repentance, where you ask Christ to forgive you. You ask Christ to take control of your life. In other words, he wants to be your boss. See, our salvation doesn't come from us being perfect, but rather from surrendering to the one who is perfect and gave us the perfect sacrifice on that cross. Let's pray. Father, I thank you once again for loving us so much that you demonstrated that love toward us and that you sent Jesus Christ on our behalf. And I pray, God, for all of us today in this room, God, that we would experience your love firsthand. For those that don't know you, God, may today be their day of salvation. God, may they make a decision from this day forward that they want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father God, today that you would come in your power and your glory and reveal yourself to those that don't know you. In Jesus' name, amen.